You're listening to the St. John's Dumming Creek podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. Children's and Families Minister here at St. John's. Today's Bible reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of the Lord. On the contrary, By setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in the hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this is all-surpassing power from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us but life is at work in you. It is written... I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. G'day, everyone. Uh, About eight years ago, Pepsi put together a commercial where they got all-star NBA basketball player Kyrie Irving and they gave him a drastic makeover. Um, they They made him look like he was significantly older than he actually is. Uh, They transformed him into Uncle Drew, as he was called. Uh, And then he went out and joined a casual basketball game, um, 
stuffing up and looking clumsy originally uh, before he really showed some of his basketball skills. Here's a little bit of a clip so you can see what I'm talking about. Play your position. I got you all right. You turned up, young blood. I can smell it. Oh! If you want to see more of that, uh, just go into uh, YouTube, not now, keep watching the service, but uh, in YouTube later and type in Uncle Drew uh, and you can see that for yourself. Now on the surface, he was this old bloke who turned up at a basketball game in, in a tracksuit. <laughs> he didn't look very dangerous or impressive, but actually hidden within that aged and frail exterior was an all-star basketball player. It was a treasure hidden within something that looked very ordinary. And that's the key image that we're looking at in this passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In verse 7, Paul writes, We have this treasure in clay jars. The images of something absolutely precious and valuable a treasure, but it's hidden in something which is very ordinary, a, a clay jar. Uh, the modern equivalent is uh, probably something like this, uh, a terracotta flower pot. doesn't look very impressive, it's not very expensive, but there's a treasure hidden within here. Now, spoiler alert, we are the clay jar, we're the not very impressive exterior, but inside us is something that is incredibly valuable. So today, as we look at this Bible passage, I want us to think about what is the treasure that we have within us? Uh, what does it mean that we are clay jars? What does that mean in our own experience day to day? Uh, and then what's the, what's the hope? What's the great hope for us clay jars? So firstly, let's have a think about what the treasure is that Paul is speaking about here. He uses a bunch of different terms in this passage, and it's a little bit tricky uh, to pull it all out. So he, he speaks about this ministry that he's undertaking. And at another point, he talks about our gospel. Now, a gospel can be one of those words which is a bit of a Christian jargon word. Uh, if you're new to Christianity, you might quite, not quite know what it means, but it's actually very simple. It's just talking about good news. Right? Gospel was uh, an announcement telling someone something really good, good news. And so Paul says in verse 5 that he's got something really good to share. This is what he says in verse 5. We do not proclaim ourselves 
we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. So the entire Christian message can be summed up in three words. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the one who is the boss of everything. He's in charge of everything. He has pride of place throughout the entire universe. Now, obviously, uh, the Christian faith can be filled out a lot more than just those three words. Uh, You can speak about the fact that Jesus is none other than God himself who has come to live amongst us. You need to talk about uh, Jesus' life, uh, which is perfect and shows what it means to do life well, to treat people well, and to live in perfect relationship with God, with people, and with the world. You need to talk about Jesus' death on the cross, where through the cross, he takes all of the wrongdoing that people have done upon himself, and he deals with it so that we can be forgiven. Uh, You need to speak about the fact that Jesus doesn't stay dead, but he's risen from the dead. He's alive and has defeated death itself. You need to talk about the fact that uh, having risen from the dead, Jesus is seated at the very right hand of God, made Lord over the entire universe, the boss of everything. And you need to speak about the fact that as the boss of everything, as the Lord of the universe, Jesus pours out his Holy Spirit so that we can be empowered, people who are followers of Jesus can be filled with his Spirit and empowered to live life day by day. So Jesus is Lord is the summary, but it encapsulates all of these other truths which are filled out through the whole Bible story, that Jesus is the centre of all of God's plans and purposes throughout history, as we heard a couple of weeks ago in a previous chapter. And it's through Jesus through the Lord Jesus, Jesus the boss of everything, that you and I can come into a relationship with God himself. This is what verse 6 tells us. For it is the God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The same God who created light itself, brought light into being, has shone his light into our hearts so that we can see him and know him. And this is an amazing way that Paul describes this rich treasure that we have. He describes it as the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Christ that God shines his light into us so that we can know God. We can know God in all his glory, all his radiance, his wonder. And how do we know him? How do we have a relationship with him? Through Jesus Christ. We, We see God in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus reveals God to us, and Jesus, through his life, his death, and his resurrection brings us into a relationship with the God of the universe, the God 
who is the creator. We can know him. We can know his glory through Jesus Christ. No wonder Paul describes it as a, as a treasure. How wonderful is that? How amazing is that, that we can have that? It is such a valuable treasure. It is something to celebrate and to know. And that's why we're so excited about it as Christian people. Uh, if you're joining us perhaps for the first time or you're not that familiar with Christian things, uh, we would love you to know this truth for yourself. We would love you to know the God who made you, to experience his glory, his radiance, his wonder in your life. And the way that you can do that is through Jesus Christ. You know God in the face of Jesus Christ. You need to get to know Jesus, come to trust in him, and he is the one who brings us into relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a fantastic treasure. But not everyone realises what a great treasure it is. Not everyone acknowledges that it is a rich treasure. Sometimes people will sneer at it and they'll reject it. But that doesn't mean it's any less a treasure. It just means, as Paul says here in verse 3, that people's eyes are veiled. It's like there's something blocking their eyes from seeing the treasure for what it is. Years ago, I was uh, sharing the good news about Jesus with a, a mate of mine. We were sitting on the front steps of my porch one night. It's pretty late in the night. And we were just talking about life and, and, and meaning and all of that sort of stuff. And he said to me, look, there's no way, Tim, that God would accept me. I've done too many wrong, wrong things in my life. God would never accept me into relationship with himself. And so I explained to him the good news of Jesus, that through Jesus' perfect life, through Jesus' death on the cross where he takes our wrongdoing on himself and deals with it, God does accept us in Jesus. We just need to put our trust in Jesus, and it's by his grace, his forgiveness, that we can have a perfect relationship with God. And my mate said to me, yeah, yeah, look, I, I get all of that. But I've done too many wrong things for God to accept me. So I tried to explain it again. And then I tried again. And then I tried again. And I thought to myself, I think I'm making this pretty plain to him, but he, he just couldn't see it. It really was exactly what Paul is talking about here. It's like he had something veiling his eyes from seeing it. And the reality is, coming to faith is very much a spiritual exercise as much as it's an intellectual exercise. You can learn about Jesus, you can think about Jesus, you can investigate the evidence for Jesus' life and death and resurrection. But unless God shines his light into our hearts, unless God takes the veil off our eyes so that we can see the treasure for what it is, we actually won't accept Jesus and come into relationship with God. And that's why, as Christian people trying to share the good news of Jesus, we pray. Prayer is fundamental. Prayer is the key for anyone coming to a faith in Jesus Christ. We need to pray that God would remove the veil from people's eyes so that they can see him, see his glory. We need to ask God to be at work by his Holy Spirit to shine light into people's hearts so that they can realise their need for God 
and the fact that they can have God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have a treasure. It is worth sharing. And we want people to know this good news. So it's a treasure, but it is contained in very ordinary containers. Years ago, I was at a conference where we were studying the book of, of 2 Corinthians. And I clearly remember the guy who was organising the conference. It was the last day of the conference. He was exhausted. He'd been, you know, organising hundreds of people, making sure people got meals, that everything was organised. It's, you know, it's really hard work organising one of those conferences. And he was doing the Bible reading on the last day. He was reading from this passage, starting at verse 7. And he got up and he, and he read and he says, But we have this treasure in Clar J's. It was a perfect illustration of what this passage is all about. That as human beings, we stuff things up. We get tired. Uh, we have bodies that grow tired and grow old and become frail. We've got bodies that are sick and they're vulnerable to viruses. And they're limited in their capacity even when we're at our fittest and healthiest. But you see, that's the whole point. Verse 7 says, But we have this treasure in clay jars, so that it may be clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. This is exactly Paul's experience as he, as he shares this treasure that he knows within himself. He's got a great message to share, but he doesn't want people to think he's somehow super impressive. He's just the messenger. The power comes from God, not from him. And although Paul has this message, which is about hope and glory and love and power that can be experienced uh, by knowing God through Jesus Christ, his own experience, his own personal experience, his own life is one of pain and difficulty and hardship. Have a look there at verses 8 and 9. He says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Life was a, a real battle for Paul. Afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. It, it was really tough going for him. Well, well, yes, you might say, but, but clearly Paul could rise above his immediate circumstances. Paul could still think positively. I'm afflicted, but I'm not crushed. I'm still standing. I'm perplexed, but I'm not driven to despair. My mind is still strong. I'm being persecuted, but I'm not forsaken. God is still with me. I'm struck down, but I'm not destroyed. I live to fight another day. But it's helpful to actually compare what Paul says here in chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, with what he's already said in chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Here's what he has said back in chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. For we were so utterly, unbearably crushed that we despaired of life itself. 
Indeed, we felt we'd received the sentence of death so that we would not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. Although, you know, in chapter 4 he can say, we're afflicted but not crushed, I'm struck down but I'm not destroyed and all the rest of it. That's not what it felt like at the time. At the time, it just felt like he was getting crushed. He was getting slammed. It was just full on and he thought, death is on its way. It was bad and unbearably bad. And it wasn't simply a case of think positive, mind over matter. Now, this is absolutely crucial for you to understand because you might be experiencing something of this yourself in your life right now. You might be being crushed. You might be perplexed and unable to make sense of life. You might be being persecuted. You might be being struck down. And this Bible passage is not telling you, just think positive. And please, 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 it is definitely not telling you that you're somehow failing as a follower of Jesus because that's your personal experience at the moment. At the time that uh, Paul was going through this, it just felt like he was getting slammed. And it was only with distance and hindsight, looking back on his experiences later, that he could say, do you know what? I survived. And his answer is not, think positive. His answer is, if this is your experience, throw yourself on God. Ask for his help. Entrust yourself to him. Right? We are jars of clay in and of ourselves we are not impressive. In and of ourselves, we're not strong enough to survive and do it all in our own strength. We need God's help. We need God's strength. We need God's enabling. And what's more, this experience of being crushed and finding things difficult, rather than being somehow foreign to the Christian life, is actually part and parcel of the normal Christian life. That's what Paul describes in verses 10 and 11. He says that just as Jesus went through the pain and suffering of the cross before he was raised from the dead, so that is our experience too. Suffering now, experiencing, carrying in our bodies the death of Jesus and glory later experiencing the resurrection of Jesus later. That's such an important dynamic for us to get our heads around, that death comes before resurrection, that suffering comes before glory, that life might be a struggle for us now, but we can have the confidence that in Jesus Christ we will overcome in the end what we are experiencing now and enjoy the resurrection life that he's offered. The reality for you and for me is that we are jars of clay. We're fragile. We're vulnerable. We're subject to suffering and to difficulty. We contain this great treasure, but it's not a superpower. That means we can just coast through life with nothing touching us and bullets bouncing off us or something like that. Quite the opposite. 
our obedience to Jesus, our commitment to following him in all circumstances, our desire to live sacrificially and to share the treasure that we have with other people may well mean, will mean, that in our lives we do face tough times. But that brings us to the third thing that I want us to think about today, and that is the reality of our future hope. We may be clay jars and subject to decay. We may have difficulties in this life, but this life is not all that God is offering us. The treasure that we have within us, the relationship which we have with God through Jesus Christ opens up the reality of life that goes even beyond death. Here's what we're reminded in verse 14. We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. That's a wonderful way of expressing the Christian hope that we have. That just as Jesus didn't stay dead but rose from the dead, so too he has promised that for all of those who trust in Jesus, he will take us out of death, raise us from the dead and bring us to be with himself. As a church this week, we're mourning the passing of two people we love, uh, Jock Ryan and Barry Hammond, who have both died this week. And we're sad. We're sad because we'll miss them. We're sad because of the significant impact they've had within our lives. And uh, we're mourning, and it's hard. But while we're sad, we also have a hope and a joy. We know that that is not the end for those two men who trusted deeply in Jesus Christ. That just as Jesus was raised from the dead, that death wasn't the end for Jesus, so too for those men who trusted Jesus, death is not the end for them either. Jesus' resurrection is, is the key that unlocks the future. It is the path that takes us through death and beyond death, that what happened to Jesus will also happen to those who trust in Jesus. What does that future hope look like? Well, it's all about being in the presence of God. That's what Paul writes here at the end of verse 14. He says, God will bring us with you into his presence. How's that for the ultimate end of social distancing? Right, as human beings, we're separated from the very God who made us, the God who gave us life, who loved us because of our rejection of him. And yet, through Jesus, we get to spend eternity in the presence of our God, in his loving, pure, gracious, nourishing presence. We get to see him face to face. We get to relate to him without barriers or blockages. We simply get to enjoy him and enjoy the good things that he gives us in his purity and in his goodness. And it's a social gathering. It's not just us having a nice one-on-one -on -one with God, but it actually involves other people as well. As Paul says, God will bring us with you into his presence. 
So all of those who trust in Jesus will be united there together in the presence of God. People that we've been separated from because of distance and because of death will be united together in the presence of God. Christian hope is a social hope. It's a communal hope that God will gather his people with himself. So what are we to do uh, with all of that? What are we to do with the reality that we contain a treasure within us, but it's a treasure uh, contained in, in clay jars, bodies racked by weakness and decay, living in a world of pain and difficulty? But also that these clay jars will be transformed, that there's a hope for the clay jars in the Lord Jesus Christ. Resurrection hope, being in the presence of God forever. Well, the answer, the command, if you like, in this passage comes at the start and at the end. It's in verse 1 and in verse 16. It says, therefore, do not lose heart. Life might be challenging and difficult at the moment but do not lose heart. Our bodies might be tired, frail, sick and wasting away, but do not lose heart. When we share the treasure of the gospel with people that we love and we want them to know Jesus and they reject it, we do not lose heart. The treasure is still a treasure. The future for the clay jars is good. God will bring us into his presence and raise us from the dead. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, do not lose heart. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek. 